Welcome back to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. And like a soccer ball made out of sticks and leaves in the poorest Brazilian favela, we are ready to roll. Marco, we got three races left here. Brazil, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, another one. How we feeling with these four races left? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, make an apology to all Brazilian favelas for that in like unnecessary rude comment. But outside of that, these next four races are going to, I'm going to say it right now, best four races of the year. Mark your calendars. Yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be an important one. I feel like you know there's either this is gonna be a Mercedes gut check for whether or not they're still in this race. I think uh, you know same with Lewis, but um, you know it, it could be a crucial race. So uh, we've had some great races here before. Um, you know some quick highlights. I think of just recent memory going off the cuff. You know this is where Lewis spun out Alex Albon when Alex Albon was on his way to win his first podium. That started the Albon decline and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, great races in the wet here. Um, I, this is just, Interlagos is just such a cool track. Awesome people, you know, lovers of Formula One, big Ayrton Senna fans, obviously. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, Formula One runs deep in the blood of Brazil here. And I'm excited to watch them watch this race. So uh, for this episode of the podcast, we're going to get into recent headlines. For this episode of the podcast, we'll get into some recent headlines. It has been a uh, quite a week in Formula One, so excited to talk about all the happenings there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the track and the Brazilian Grand Prix as a whole, and then get into some race predictions ahead of the weekend. So uh, let's get right into it. Marco, why don't you start us off with some recent headlines? All right, let's do it. So yeah, this week has been uh, crazy. I, I think this is the best, outside of you know the, the drivers determining where they're going to head next year, this has been, I think, the craziest week of headlines. We have Otmar, so the team principal at Aston Martin. Say his last name. Otmar. Uh, rumors around him deciding to go to Alpine. So that was something that everything was being posted about. And then a story... or. And then a quote from Otmar saying that, hey, these aren't real facts. This isn't actually true. He didn't fully deny, like, I am for sure not going to Alpine. He just was like, hey, these are just like, these are incorrect facts. Or like, so he kind of was being around the bush. Uh, it sounds very similar to stuff that we've heard in all other sports. But uh, yeah, so maybe Otmar heading to Alpine. We'll see. I, I think he definitely is heading to Alpine. I think it's just the PR got ahead of the negotiation. And so someone caught wind of it. Like, this is what it seemed like to me. Someone caught wind of it. You know, it got out. And then he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, you know, kind of like a Bill Belichick. We're focused on the Jets this week. Right. Uh, you know, like, hey, we're, we're focused on this season. But, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if he does end up going to, uh, to, to Alpine, especially since it seems like the Aston Martin team is a little more of a dumpster fire than they were anticipating. But, do you, like, going to Alpine, do you think, like, that's not also a dumpster fire? <laughs> no, it's not about it not being a dumpster fire. It's about being a dumpster fire that he's not responsible. Ah, uh, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm coming in. I'm going to hear fix your dumpster fire, not I exactly. created the dumpster fire. Yeah. It's one thing to go to the Toto Wolf route of going to a team that actually is winning. It's another one to go to a team that's not winning so that even if you don't win, you're like, yeah, well, you know, this wasn't a winning team when I came here. So yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I had my back's against the wall here. You didn't give me any support. You <laughs> gave me Esteban Ocon. Yeah. For years, you got Esteban Ocon. <laughs> 
moving on, I think probably the biggest story of Formula One in the past week here. So, you know, this is the problem with these double headers, these triple headers um, that, that <laughs> happens just from a logistics standpoint. So we are seeing, just because of COVID, some major supply chain issues and not excluding um, the Formula One cars not showing up to Brazil because of logistical issues um, with flights. So this is kind of a big deal here when you, I'm pretty sure it was Ferrari, McLaren, and Alfa Romeo. Haas at least as well. You can't forget about Haas. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I do forget about Haas. Um, but those those three or four, um, for sure, that I think they were up until Thursday that they just did not have the car. Um, today is Friday. Today is also qualifying, if we, if we remember that, because of the sprint races. So, yeah, just an absolute clusterfuck. This is a great uh, argument for the people who think double or triple headers are just a bad idea because things can go wrong. Um, but, yeah, people showing up into the paddock, engineers showing up into the paddock with nothing to work on, no car there. Yeah, uh, I, I did see Yeah, uh, Steiner revealed that the Haas engines were missing yesterday in that freight delay. I was looking into it. Weren't their engines missing all year? <laughs> we, he is back, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Welcome man. Back. Oh, man. Moving right along. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton with a grid penalty coming up in this Brazilian Grand Prix. It's only a new ICE, so only five places. But that, I mean... It is going to be hard if he if he was in front of Max last week and couldn't hold him back. Him having five places, probably four or five places behind Max. I mean, maybe this uh, this drivers championship is all but wrapped up. But hopefully, you know, Lewis can pull some magic out of his uh, pocketless jumpsuit and uh, do something well there. But uh, yeah, I mean, tough break for Mercedes. Uh, very rarely are we saying tough break for Mercedes, but yeah, tough tough. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, again, this is, uh, if you remember, like, each of the two sprint races that we've had this year. Yeah, and I think that plays into the story of the sprint races uh, that we've seen, like, these past, uh, the past two this year, as well as the sprint race that's going to be coming up this weekend. If you remember the two sprint races that we've had, one was in Monza and one was in Silverstone. Uh, both times, Max and Lewis collided. So there's, I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for them to do that, at least not early on in the laps. Uh, or early on in the race, like early laps in the race. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that's that's going to be a huge part of this story, and it's kind of the last thing Mercedes needs. So could be the last nail in the coffin, or it could be an awesome, you know, back against the wall for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton for them to fight back. Totally agree. Probably the former. Uh, moving on, we had the Megan the Stallion. Megan the Stallion or Megan the Stallion? Got to be the, right? If mm -hmm. there's an extra E? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We'll go with the. So Megan the Stallion debacle um, where her bodyguards were a little bit not playing nice with Martin Brundle when he was doing his grid walk. Uh, Formula One has now banned bodyguards from the starting grid, which is just hilarious because, like, you know, I don't know. It's this kind of like reactive thing where something weird happens and they're like, well, we have to change something. So now just no bodyguards allowed. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Megan the Stallion, for making the grid less safe. We got you to think for that. I love the fact that they call it the Brundle Clause. So, yeah, Martin just laying down the law. <laughs> I wonder if he just came into the F1, like, execs and was like I, this will never happen to me again or i'm walking and they're like oh good god all right well, let's figure something out uh, i guess yeah uh screw the safety of these you know very very popular celebrities they're gone no bodyguards no safety because we can't have martin brundle getting an old, a little tiffy with uh with these guys about not being able to, to interview them hilarious speaking of bodyguards 
Nikita Mazepin, back in that news. I don't know if everyone has seen this, but uh, he was at a Red Bull party after doing an incredible in Mexico, obviously celebrating with the Haas team. But uh, yeah, there was video out of him getting in in a little altercation with some bodyguards. Uh, looking more into it, apparently he uh, one of his engineers couldn't get into the party, and so he was causing a, a big ruckus about getting him in there. Um, apparently wasn't a huge deal, but uh, that video did. You know, he was a uh, he was feisty for sure, and yeah, there was you know he stood up kind of quickly. There was some some quick movement gestures, uh, but yeah, I mean, last time we saw Nikita Mazepin with a video of him in a club. Uh, it, it just swiffered the nation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, another one going around. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, if you're a guy that is as unwelcome as Nikita Mazepin, um, even like a, what was it, like a 9 to 10 second video of you not being welcomed into like a party, even if it's, at, you know, at a club, uh, not a good look. So way to play into the stereotype Nikita. Um, moving on, this Grand Prix in Brazil Daniel Ricciardo will surpass Nico Rosberg for the most consecutive Grand Prix starts in Formula One. Um, and so I think Lewis is the only one that's beat him out. But, uh, but yeah, this is awesome, man. It's like it's, it's cool to see Daniel Ricciardo. I feel like he's one of the more like universally liked drivers for the most part. Um, and it's cool to see that he's been a part of the, the Formula One story for this long. So congrats to Daniel Ricciardo. Tip of the hat to him. Um, and yeah, I mean, with, with that, I, I think, uh, I might actually have to change up my race predictions because this might be some good luck or good karma coming for Danny. Yeah. And he, you know, didn't have a great week last week and, you know, uh, a, a tale as old as time, Danny of, of 2021, Danny tough one week, pretty good the next week. So yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, and our last thing about recent headlines, uh, Beyond the Grid had a discussion with Valtteri Bottas recently talking about kind of his experience at Mercedes. Uh, and him just talking about yeah like his talking about his relationship with Toto with you know the team in general and he was just saying that how like pressure could be good sometimes but like basically nine consistent years of pressure will kind of mess up a guy mentally uh, you kind of feel for him hearing that as just like him them expecting so much and anytime he kind of has a mess up they're just down his back and kind of throwing him under a bus numerous times so. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that wasn't something that I feel like any of us were surprised to hear, but just having him say it and being like, openly being like, yeah, it kind of messed me up over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great change of pace that he's uh, he's bouncing out of there. Yeah, I, I mean, he, I, I'm so excited for him just to move on to a team where he has a, a chance to like build up um, and not, you know, going from Williams right on to, to Mercedes where the expectation is like consistent championships. So, yeah, um, you know, definitely good to hear some kind of, I guess, like vulnerability here. I'm just saying like, look, it's, you know, it's cool to be in the sport, but it can, it can screw you up. One guy who it didn't screw up seemed to have the opposite uh, reverse effect on was Sebastian Vettel, you know, racing in Formula One since 2007. And after, let's see, what, about 14 years in Formula One, Sebastian Vettel seems like the most stable, um, like the most has it all figured out. Uh, good guy, Seb. But, uh, but yeah, that was just, it was interesting to see that and then be like, well, Sebastian Vettel going from, you know, winning championships back in 2010 to 2013. Uh, now he is in 12th place in the driver's championship, but it seems like he doesn't really care because he's just kind of mentally moved on. So, all right, good stuff. Like we said, busy week. Hopefully we have even more to talk about after this Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, speaking of the Brazilian Grand Prix, let's move on to the track as well as the BGP as it stands. Um, but before we do that, we do have a word from our sponsors. 
This part of the podcast is sponsored um, due to us racing in Brazil this weekend. It's brought to you by the partnership between the Amazon Rainforest and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, you might be wondering what these two have in common. One's just a guy, and the other one is a moist broadleaf tropical rainforest in the world's largest biome that covers most of the Amazon River Basin of South America. Um, this region includes territory belonging to nine nations and over 3,000 formally acknowledged indigenous territories before we kick those suckers out of there to get to chopping so we can make a couple more paper receipts. But both Lewis and the Amazon are important, objectively beautiful, and arguably allow the world to breathe a little bit easier. But that's not all they have in common. Because of fires, the Amazon rainforest has lost over 18% of its trees since 2019. And in a show of solidarity, Lewis Hamilton has scored 18% less points than he did in 2019 as well. This beautiful show of solidarity is something that the entire F1 grid has applauded as a valiant effort to spread awareness that neither Amazon nor Lewis Hamilton are fully what they used to be. This message has been brought to you by the Red Bull Racing and the Anti-Environment <laughs> Society of the World. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge uh, sponsor, as always. Uh, really appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, be on the lookout. I feel like, yeah, like it's about time that we get some good people like bringing up a great cause. So, yeah, thanks. Shout out to, to those sponsors. And, yeah, shout out to Red Bull for really uh, putting it in there for, for us. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, moving right along, we are going to talk about the track. So, the Formula One Heineken Grand Premio de Sao Paulo 2021. That is right off the tongue. Super, super easy to say. Shout out <laughs> me. This track is 71 laps, 4.3 kilometers, or about 2.67 miles. Just did that in my head. Two DRS zones. Uh, and then just talking a little bit about the history of the track, obviously, it goes back all the way to 1938. Uh, track designers took their inspiration from three main circuits, Brooklyn's in the UK, Roosevelt Raceway in the USA, and Monterey in, Monterey in France. Uh, the first GP, so that was uh, 1938, first GP was actually in 1973. Fans retreated to a home win in the first three Brazilian Grand Prix with Fittipaldi victorious in 73 and 74, while Carlos Pace won in 1975. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome for, for Brazilian fans. Apparently, these fans are fantastic. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like in the distant future that we're going to see a Brazilian driver kind of uh, in the in the paddock anytime soon. But uh, like many pre-World War II tracks, Interlagos features banked corners with drivers beginning their lap on a sort of a half oval. Uh, in fact, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, just kind of that, yeah, you know, rolling something down that that steep interface. Uh, in fact, between 1957 and the track's return to Formula One calendar in 1990, Interlagos could be run as a giant oval. Uh, so similar to, you know, uh, NASCAR. As After wiggling through Senna S and down to turn four, the drivers can go through a snaking infield section with, with some challenging camber changes before slinging back up the hill and through the banked final turn. Uh, and then a little bit about the actual like environment that it's almost like a carnival atmosphere. It really dominates Brazil and watching formula one cars along the locals is something that is apparently an incredible experience. Similarly to what we saw in Austin, you know, it did kind of have a carnival feel, but apparently this is just a, a blast there. So really looking forward to this atmosphere. I think it's going to be, you know, similar to what we saw in Austin, similar to what we saw in Mexico. It's just going to be, uh, it's going to be bumping. And, um, Bottas actually has a lap record that was uh, placed in 2018. 
Talking about the weather, so we have been seeing some uh, pretty crazy weather this week in Sao Paulo, but luckily it does not look like it's going to be a, a factor for this weekend. So today is a high 65 with a low of 55, just pretty cloudy. Saturday, high 69, low of 53, partially cloudy. Sunday, picking up temperature, high of 77, low of 54, partially cloudy. So uh, yeah, we were seeing a bunch of uh, some rainy Interlagos video uh, from the past, especially that one race, including um, Kimi Raikkonen and Michael Schumacher of just half the grid going off and slipping and, and their cars basically exploding. Uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to get that. Apparently, this track is not great in the rain. So, yeah, luckily, we do not get to see that chaos. And, uh, yeah, it seems like it's going to be, a, a, obviously, with sprint race being here, I feel like they selected those type of sprint races uh, specifically with tracks that are, are good for passing and, and quick. So uh, I think, yeah, we're going to get an awesome race this weekend. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, and the weather seems nice. I'm glad to hear uh, glad to hear about that. I think I'm, I'm over the rain, like we said earlier in the season. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just excited. Um, like I said earlier, Ayrton Senna is in the blood of a lot. Of, I, I work with a couple of Brazilians, um, and, like, Ayrton Senna is essentially their, like, uh, let's see, like kind of like Michael Phelps almost. Like everybody in the country loved him, um, and they haven't really had anybody that has like achieved what he's achieved in Brazil. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's you know, racing is is a big part of Brazilian culture, and like you said, I mean, the the Carnaval atmosphere that we're gonna see is is gonna be good, and there's gonna be a lot of good content coming out of there. So, good job on the track there. Um, let's get to our race predictions. Speaking of the Grand Prix. And before we get to that, though, we do have one more ad, one more sponsor. So this part of the podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Truck. Two Men in a Truck is an American franchise moving company headquartered in Lansing, Michigan, with franchises in 45 U.S. states as well as the U.K., Canada, and Ireland. The company is the largest franchise moving company in the U.S. with more than 370 franchise locations worldwide. Hi, I'm man number one of Two Men in a Truck. I helped create this wonderful moving company, and we are here for almost all of your moving needs. We specialize in almost every type of moving. House, office, dorm room, almost everything. Did you hear I said almost? I know we have had the best prices around town, but seriously, people, we are just two fucking men. So Formula One, it was kind of a dick move to hire just two guys to move all your cars across seas. It's asking for quite a lot. We tried our best, but those cars are heavy as shit. So kind of get off our back, people. I know there's been a lot of slack about us these cars having you know issues getting overseas with the freight issues. We tried our best. Two men in a truck means two men in one truck. It took a long, long time. So outside of Formula One, please feel free to hit us up. Just remember before calling, we are only two men in a truck. So thank you for our sponsors, Two Men in a Truck. Uh, <laughs> they sent that over. Uh, man number one seems like he is a little bit stressed out. So hopefully they get that figured out. It seems like they did. And yeah, uh, going back on that, um, huge shout out to Formula One. Usually they have the uh, Thursday night window of hard cutoff of tinkering with your cars. Thanks. Like, what a shout out giving them till Friday morning. I mean, how nice of them. When I, I feel like some of them didn't get them till Thursday night. So yeah, shout out to Formula One really being understanding of that situation. What if they didn't give them that? Like, what if they what couldn't if even like, just like they couldn't even build us. back the cars that were already built, like broken down? <laughs> You're like, they, these are the rules. Um, you got to know that. 
I saw like a couple of funny things to consider here about that. Like the let's put our first of all, let's put ourselves in the shoes of an engineer over the last couple of weeks in Formula One. Um, first off, they come out with saying, look, we're going to increase the number of races that we've had to the most we've ever had in a season. So already first off, you're like, well, fuck, there goes, you know, there goes even more of my year where I'm not going to get to see my family. You know, I'm going to be traveling all the time. Um, then you have a triple header coming up, your second triple header of the year, uh, which is tough to swallow. It's just an absolute nightmare. No days off said. for a full 21 days. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then, you know, after that, like to the icing on the cake is that, yeah, you also, by the way, like we're not going to have your car until probably like 24 hours before it's, you know, it's time to get tuned up. And uh, to add on to that, we have qualifying on a Friday. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, just an absolute nightmare. I did see a funny tweet from, I can't remember who it was from, but, um, it said, you know, I propose that all of the formula one teams have until Friday to build their own car out of whatever materials they see fit since they're not going to have their cars for the race. Oh, that was so, me. Like, I did that. Oh, you did that. Oh, yeah. congrats, dude. Damn. You got a really popular Twitter account. <laughs> dude, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, good stuff. Appreciate two men in a truck. Um, I wish it were a couple more men in a couple more trucks and we could get this uh, this thing underway on time, but we'll see. Um, yeah, big shout out to them. With that being said, let's get into our race predictions here. As it currently stands, Marco and I are tied at 22 points each. Four races left, dead tie. This is going to be an important race for Mercedes, for Red Bull, for Lewis Hamilton, for Max Verstappen, for McLaren, for Ferrari, but most importantly for Ian and Marco as it's going to decide the trajectory for the rest of the season. So let's get right into it. Marco, who do you have for a crash or a DNF for the Brazilian Grand Prix? I'm going to go with the weasel himself, Esteban Ocon. Fucking ferret. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, Nikita Mazepin. I Switching think he's it up. well due. I think he is yeah, well he due. Yeah, he really, I, really is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was definitely wanting to put him for a last place, but uh, seems very fit that he goes ahead and uh, and hey, bins it somewhere, Mazepin. So, yeah, put me down for Mazepin. Um, and then for my winner, I uh, decided that going chalk is kind of overrated. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, going chalk all the time. Like, you know, it's kind of a bitch move. So, yeah, for a winner, I'm going to go with uh, Checo Perez uh, from the Red Bull team. Marco, who do you have? I'm going to go, uh, you know, I followed uh, someone that I really respect, someone that I wanted to follow him because, like, you know, I, yeah, like I said, I really respect him. He has been going chalk pretty much this entire time and still is tied to someone that doesn't go to chalk. So I just felt like, hey, you know, if he's not going to go chalk this week, might as well, you know, pick up the slack. I'm going to go with Max Verstappen, winner. All last, right. Well, last, hey, that's, that's, you can't really hate or respect you. No, I, I'm, no I'm not. I, I don't respect it, but I don't hate it. No, I mean, I said I respect you, so, like, you can't really hate yeah, it. Yeah, no, and I said I don't respect it. And oh, I, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. No, no, most people don't. Uh, last place, <laughs> we have, uh, I'm going to go chalk again. So back-to-back chalks, I'm going to go with my boy Nikita Mazepin. Yeah, it's a real chalker. Shocker. Jock. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go last place, Mick Schumacher, since I think Mazepin's going to bin it. I did consider going <laughs> Mazepin to bin it and for last place, just to ensure that I got at least one point. But yeah, give me uh, Mick Schumacher last place. Uh, most overtakes, the Crypto.com Overtake Award is currently being led by, I think, uh, Sebastian Vettel. It's a tie, actually. Yeah, dude, it's a tie. Okay. Nice. So uh, I will go chalk on this bad boy and, gave, uh, and give. Uh, I will chalk on this bad boy and give my most overtakes prediction to Sebastian Vettel. I think he's going to come out with another stinker of a qualifying and then make up some good places uh, in that first lap. Yeah, I'm going to 
it doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm going to go with Lewis. I know he's got only a five-place grid penalty, but my thought process is, all right, he's going to pass, uh, I don't know, maybe four of those guys, right? And then he's going to have to pit maybe a couple more, pass them on the pit depending on when he does, passes those guys. Probably not going to happen. He's probably going to end up with about five, and most of the times we've seen winners about seven or eight. So kind of risky, but you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Driver of the day is going to be, uh, I'm going to go with Valtteri Botas. So, yeah, I'm just kind of spreading out who we think is going to do well. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> someone someone that does not have a, an engine or grid penalty, very shocker for him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Valtteri. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad choice. I could see Valtteri getting away well um, in the, like, you know, in, the, in that first, uh, like, into the first turn. Uh, and But we'll see. Uh, obviously, he's not going to have Lewis up there fighting with him. I'm going to go with Checo Perez. Nice. Um, just coming off of some good confidence, you know, getting that podium, first Mexican to get a podium in the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, and, yeah, give me Checo Perez for driver of the day. For our sponsored segment, Douche of the Day. Uh, douche of the Day, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. He is going to have to drive super aggressively to keep that fight up, both with Mercedes and to, to try not to let Max run away with this. I think a little over-aggressiveness could result in him, uh, you know, doing what he did in Brazil in years past, like spinning out Alex Albon. So, yeah, give me uh, give me Lewis Hamilton. Nice. Uh, I think that is a very smart move. I'm going to go with Lance Stroll. He has just been super quiet, uh, like, you know, below the middle of pack on finishes and hasn't really done much. I feel like last year we were seeing a lot of craziness out of Stroll. He was DNFing. He was, he was causing mayhem. So, yeah, let's get that back a little bit so hopefully he can... Yeah, so hopefully, yeah, he can, uh, you know, harness that uh, that douchiness that we used to see from him and bring that back a little bit. So from the from the old Canadian, our fastest pit stop minus Red Bull Ferraris had a couple two. The last two weeks have been pretty good. They won two weeks ago. They came in second, I believe, last week. So yeah, I'm gonna ride that hot hand that Ian did last week, Ferrari. Love it. I really like that choice, actually. I think, like, uh, this is, yeah, that's uh, it's an exciting thing to watch. Like, I think this adds a nice layer into it. I'm going to go Mercedes. Um, I think Toto Wolf is really cracking the whip on everybody, and that includes the engineers uh, and the pit crew. So, I yeah, give me Mercedes for that one. And finally, our wild card prediction before we wrap up the episode. I am going to, uh, since you've been copying me, um, I'm going to copy you, and you had success when you did this, so I'm hoping to have success when I do it. Give me a Haas into Q2. I don't want to say who, because it could technically be any of the Haases. You know, either of the Haases could make it into Q2. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I believe it has happened once, and it's the time that you predicted it. So what better time for it to happen than when I predicted it? So yeah, uh, you, know, you, know how I, you know how I predicted it? Uh, it, was, it basically felt like this. I was driving a car blindfolded and then there was a dartboard I was driving past and I was supposed to throw a dart on that dartboard and land it and I mean <laughs> miraculously it hit so yeah I mean like bullseye yeah bullseye that shit uh yeah uh good luck man because yeah it was it was a shot in the dark as most say my wildcard prediction <laughs> I do not believe this at all uh but I'm gonna say McLaren retakes third place they are 13 and a half I believe down from Ferrari everyone's saying that this is a very McLaren favorite track for them Ferrari might struggle a little bit uh, but I, I just feel like that the performances that we've seen year in, year out from Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, that they're not going to like be in 9 and 10, 9 and 12 or something like that, where 
where McLaren can make some major ground. So I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, it's wildcard prediction. That's that's the reason why we do it. So, yeah, fingers crossed. That's why we do it, baby. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I agree. I think it'd be um, my uh, second wildcard prediction is going to be Lewis takes out a Ferrari and McLaren therefore retakes third. So that way, if you do get that, um, then, you know, I have a chance to win that point as well. So I'll so come you, up with the third, like fourth, four and fifth wildcard prediction. You, you can get like four <laughs> points there because Lewis douche of the day. You get the wildcard prediction. I mean, wow, that's impressive. Wow. That's, that yeah. is chestnut checkers right there, my good man. Yep. Everybody make sure to follow us on social media for my third, fourth, fifth, and sixth wildcard <laughs> predictions for this weekend. <laughs> All of those count. All of those count. Yeah, every single one. You said, <laughs> I said it. Um, awesome. All right, good stuff, man. I th- Again, like we said at the beginning of the episode, like this is where – uh, this is going to be a really important weekend. Um, like whether or not the race is good, um, it, it's it's going to have major implications. So always a reason to watch, as always. But uh, you know, a little more flavor added in here with this with this Brazilian Grand Prix. Any last thoughts before we wrap up this episode? We did pretty damn good on time. Good for us, finally. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, uh, we do. It sounds like we do li- like listening to the sounds of our. Uh, we do like listening to the sounds of our own voice. Uh, just not this time. So yeah, uh, very excited. Yep. Yeah, these drivers. Yeah, I think these last four races, these drivers tie their boots a little tighter. You know, it's it's down to the nitty gritty. Uh, a lot of implications and changes that we can see in the next couple of weeks. And so, yeah, looking forward to recapping and covering and watching live all of this craziness. Love it. We will see everybody after the Brazilian Grand Prix. But until then, we love you. Thank you for listening. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.